All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. With me today, I have Joe Rust, and I'm your host, Jeff Davidson. My brother Kyle will be back on the MoneyWise program next week. If you're listening to our show for the first time, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-based registered investment advisor, now in our 32nd year of business with offices in Corpus Christi and San Antonio. If you'd like to learn more about the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from your MoneyWise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number once again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investment-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Well, as we start every weekend's MoneyWise program, let's go into the numbers from Wall Street from the week just past. Uh, last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 174 points, or one-half of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 18 points, or four-tenths of 1%. And the NASDAQ last week was up about 41 points, or three-tenths of 1%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 11.8%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 10.6%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 4.5%. I think the, the big news of the week is what happened with Bitcoin. It seemed to be an everyday top story. And for you investors that have owned Bitcoin here in the last week, Oh, it was just down a measly 22% in the week just passed and is down almost 50% from its high set approximately one month ago. So do you call that volatility? Uh, yes, I would definitely call that volatility. And for those that, you know, I know don't send me, don't send us any hate mail about, you know, you folks that are on Bitcoin. I, I understand we don't own it. We don't own any of the doge coins or any of the other different various cryptocurrencies uh we have a very good reason for not owing, uh, owning them and and this last week and the last month is a very fine example we prefer to not own uh, uh i wouldn't even call it an investment <laughs> what would you call it joe <laughs> uh, well you sure can't use it to say it, it it's it not currency, currency. You, you can't you can't call it currency if it's down 50 percent in, in value in a month two factors is elon musk if you've been paying attention to the news elon musk essentially he downgraded bitcoin himself with his comments about taking it as a currency and then china china talked about having their own cyber currency and really not allowing Bitcoin and other types of cyber uh, or cryptocurrencies rather uh, to be utilized in China. So when you have one of the biggest economies in the world uh, indicating that they're not going to use different types of, of cryptocurrency, that kind of puts a damper on the whole situation there. But to your point, the reason we don't use that as an individual investment, and we've been asked 
time and time again. I've had some fun texting some clients Friday about it that have asked about it. And I'm like, this is why. Because you might fire us if we have a particular position. And if you look at Coinbase, the high was 429. I think it closed around 224 handle today. Yeah, we put that in our portfolio. And I, and I might be incorrect. Jeff is doing his fact checking. All right, we can't see each other. <laughs> we can't deal with that kind of volatility with one position yeah. in our portfolio because our, our more moderate conservative clients, that's not that's not built into their risk tolerance uh, for most of our clients. I mean, I, I, I personally view it as just, I mean, it's just gambling to me. I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. I can't explain what Bitcoin is to myself, much less to a, to a client. And we don't own things that we can't explain to our clients. And, you know, one of the things that Bitcoin is really getting attacked for now, which is very, very interesting is uh, the footprint at itself from a energy consumption point of view from the, uh, what do they call it? Uh, that's Elon Musk's take goodness. on it. Uh, the, the, the carbon footprint, that's it. That's yes. what I was trying to think. The carbon footprint, just to mine Bitcoin or keep track of Bitcoin uh, or any, you know, I don't know how you, how you get the other cryptocurrencies. That's beyond, you know, what we're going to talk about here on the show today. But it's, now it seems that uh, the environmental impact of Bitcoin seems to be getting more and more attention from those that were touting its use. I think we talked about a few weeks ago, you mentioned Elon Musk. He took uh, the, the, uh, Tesla stopped taking Bitcoin as a form of payment to purchase their vehicles. I want to say it was a few weeks ago. And that that's really started this this, this trigger yeah exactly of uh, this downward movement in, in bitcoin so are we gonna come on the program today and give any, give investors advice about bitcoin uh, no we're not uh the only advice that i can give you is please do not put any more than five percent of your investable net worth in this security investment speculative vehicle, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, just 5% of your investable net worth, which is the same advice that we would give anyone for anything, uh, even owning Apple stock in your portfolio or, or any other, the, you know, the, the really successful big cap tech names, no more than 5% of it in your, uh, uh, investable net worth. And, and, be invested and, in to your point, Jeff, I mean, in the past, even before I came on board with Davidson Capital Management and saw the light, so to speak, <laughs> GLD, I would used to use GLD in a portfolio, no more than 5% in GLD. If you're looking to buy gold in a brokerage account, if you're going to buy gold in a brokerage account that supposedly is backed by the asset, the same with silver, you know, any kind of asset class or commodity, energy, any kind of stock, you have to take a good hard look and we can get that later under know what you own and portfolio reviews. But Jeff had a very, very sound point. If you're a serious investor or a long-term investor, not a gambler and not a speculator, 5%. Yeah. 5 and, spe rule. and speaking of gold, uh, gold has had, had a little move here uh, of late. Uh, I think for the year gold, 
gold is really it's it's slightly up for the year but I, but I think in the in the last few weeks there's been some talk about folks converting their bitcoin to into gold. gold. I've been I've been seeing more and more talk about that. I know we've got just a few seconds here left in this first segment of this weekend's money wise show, but I was also hearing some pundits saying that the reason that the markets were down, this is the second week in a row the markets have been down since February, is there were some pundits saying that the, the decline in Bitcoin may have been tied into the decline in the NASDAQ. So when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, you listen to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about our firm and review the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation, receive a portfolio review and analysis from the from the Money Wise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number once again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investment-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So last segment we were talking about the uh, bigger news for the week, which was uh, the decline in Bitcoin. And uh, for for a moment there, it was seemed to be moving in lockstep with declines in the NASDAQ. Now, the NASDAQ for the week did have managed to eke out a, a small gain, but I know we had, a, we had several days uh, last week where the NASDAQ was down more than 100 points, and, and some pundits were, were laying it at the feet of uh, the decline in Bitcoin that uh, some folks that were lever you know, investors leveraged in Bitcoin uh, had pledged some you know, NASDAQ stocks or, you know, stocks in general as, as a collateral to leverage up their position in Bitcoin. And when Bitcoin started to move against their, uh, you know, started to move down, uh, they may have had some margin calls and the, which, which, which results in forced selling of stocks. Uh, I think it was, you know, Jim Cramer had talked about the correlation. It seemed uh, a few days ago, uh, whether, whether that correlation is true or not, you know, we could debate that, <clears throat> at, you know, but the, the 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 point is is that this this when we have declines like this, and there's a you get more and more people involved in this particular investment, and you have this kind of volatility, it's just a matter of time before there's more regulation that gets involved in it. Uh, it's just a matter of time before whatever the allure of owning this particular investment for its currency value or for whatever value that people want to derive from it. Uh, the more vol volatile it gets, the more, more likely it's going to, it's going to attract government scrutiny. And as you said, Joe, in the previous segment, you know, China has started to ban some of these cryptocurrencies. Uh, we know that the recent, uh, ransomware attack on the colonial pipeline that was uh, that apparently supposedly, was perpetrated by supposedly no by payment. russian russian hackers no i read a story joe where the ceo did admit that there was a payment. no i know and how was it paid yeah. through crypto yeah it was, it was right? paid it was paid in yeah. bitcoin it was paid it's, in oops. You know. so how much you know it's like 
really? How much money do you want to invest in something that's so that's so universally used by uh, folks that want to do very bad things uh, as a way of paying off those folks that do very bad things? And, and well, I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't see, we certainly couldn't put it in, in any of our client accounts. That's for sure. Well, our original account is a foundation for a church and that would not be tolerable in a no. church foundation portfolio. So we have to act as solid fiduciaries and do what's in our client's best interest. In this case, I mean, most of our clients aren't going to have the capacity or really, uh, the tolerance for something right. like that. I think the other thing that, I, that you talked about regulation, when you have Janet Yellen uh, actually talk about stricter uh, uh, cryptocurrency compliance pertaining to the IRS, that's another thing you have to look at. And that's another, if you will, uh, dagger in the back of, of cyber currency and, and, or cryptocurrency rather. So you have a lot of bad news, essentially the last two weeks or so, about cryptocurrency, which is, and then of course you talked about a margin call, uh, margin calls uh, tied into the Nasdaq. So, which you know, I learned something. I don't even know how you do that. I'm, so. I'm, you know, the jury is still out, in my opinion, whether there's enough money in these cryptocurrencies in total. When you take all of the various iterations of cryptocurrency, is there enough money in them that it is a systemic risk to the markets, much like a long-term capital management in the 1990s when it failed and the Federal Reserve had to step in, um, or you know an 0809 type situation. But, you know, are there are there brokerage houses at risk uh, for their involvement in, Bit, in Bitcoin? I, I'm not aware of 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 any sort of systemic risks in the financial system due to folks owning owning this particular security uh could there be you know many so could there be some hedge funds out there that are heavily invested in bitcoin or one of the other cryptocurrency that's leveraged and they've pledged uh assets such as such as nasdaq stocks or other stocks to leverage up their position i would say yeah there probably are uh any sort of you know big swings in, in stocks, I don't think if, if it occurs based on Bitcoin even going going down even further in value, I think it would be very temporary effect on the markets. And I think really what's more that's been happening here since you know if you look at the if you look at the charts, we basically topped out here in about mid-April thereabouts. So, you know, we're about four to six weeks into this you know, sideways to slightly down movement. And there's a lot of investors, you know, us included. We've been talking a lot about adding more stocks to our portfolio. We've, we've got a, our buy list together. Uh, we've, we've discussed sell, even selling some more stocks out of our portfolio if the uh, the recent movement in the market it starts to accelerate to the downside. Uh, I think like there's a lot of investors like us that truly want to know is is this inflation no the, is the inflation truly quote unquote transitory as the Federal Reserve believes it is uh, transitory meaning temporary. Well, how many how many different uh, data points are we going to need to determine whether it's truly transitory or not? Yes, Joe. 
And one of the things about transitory, what's the definite definition of that? We've talked about it on the show before, but you, Kyle, your dad, and and I might all have different opinions of what's transitory. It might be six months to Kyle. I'm not putting words in his mouth. That might be six months to you or I. It might be eight months. What is the definition of that as far as transitory inflation? But I will say one thing that I've noticed, if you looked at the cost of lumber, which, you know, with, with the housing market, the housing market has been red hot. You look at home values. I was reading a statistic. I think they're the, the highest they've been in five years uh, as far as a uh, valuation of homes. But lumber, I believe it came down, if you're looking at futures, about 30% in the last week or so. So does that mean that is a sign of things to come where maybe we start backing down? Who? What I'm getting at is we don't know how long this inflation trend is going to last. And that's, that's a challenge for portfolio managers, for all of us, even the best out there. How many times have, have you asked, and I'll ask you, Jeff, you've been on the portfolio over 25 years. How many times have we looked at a situation that we have transitory inflation? I've never. <laughs> transitory never rise. Uh, yeah. Tra this is a. Rising. Yeah. This, we know, yes. I mean, this is a new, this is new Fed speak. Yes. For sure. And I think the definition of transitory is more a function of the rate at which inflation is increasing as each data point comes out. Meaning if you get a much higher number than is expected, the next time we get an, a, another CPI report, which is probably, which is three weeks out to go with the, the, the higher than expected number we just got two weeks ago. Well, the transitory might be a much shorter time period, depending right. on how how much how much more inflation is reported than was what was expected. Now, if the number comes in as expected or slightly below, then you could stretch out that definition of transitory. But in the meantime, you're still going to have the you know, various Fed governors out there saying this and saying that. And as we, you, your words have consequences, and all you need to look at, you know, when to see the market really react sharply to Fed speak is go back to the fourth quarter of 2018, when a lot of investors were positioning portfolios to, to not expecting higher interest rates for you know six months, another year out, and Shazam. You have, uh, I think, I don't remember if it was Powell or one of the other uh, uh, Fed governors come out and say something that, well, maybe we're, we're we may be raising rates sooner rather than later, and that resulted in a twenty percent correction in the fourth quarter of twenty eighteen, and just ruined the whole year. So, and I know we got to wrap up really quickly, but I want to talk about portfolio moves and if what are some of the top ways to hedge against inflation. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I have an interesting tidbit for us when we come back. That's right, Joe. Inflation right now is definitely something that's on the, the forefront of every investor's mind and how they're going to position their portfolio to fight inflation. And there have been a lot of articles as we've gone through our archives and looked up a few articles we think are most appropriate. And we're going we're gonna to go over one of these, the nine different assets that your portfolio should have to fight inflation. When we come back from the break, We'll go over those nine uh, different assets, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. 
If you'd like to learn more about our firm and review the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. That number again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investor-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So in the last segment of this weekend's Money Wise program, we were talking about inflation. And uh, we had some an article about uh, nine different assets uh, to put into your portfolio to protect it against inflation. So I wanted to go over uh, this particular author's uh, opinion on what those nine different assets are. Some of them we agree with, I think, Joe, and some of them not necessarily uh, we agree with. So let's, shall we just dive in? Head let's first? do. We, okay. we get this question a lot, and uh, I think it's, it, it's an Investopedia article, and we can go yes. dive right in. So number nine, and you know, really probably should be number one on the list, is gold. Uh, we have owned gold in our portfolios uh, probably half a dozen times, Joe, over the last 30-plus years. I'm trying to recall the last time that we that we owned it. Uh, it. It's really more been something that we've owned in the portfolios this century. Uh, prior, you know, the creation of the exchange-traded fund called GLD, or the symbol GLD, which is the gold exchange-traded fund, you know, that is our uh, go-to uh, investment to have participation in gold. We don't we do not we do not recommend owning owning the physical bullion uh inside of a gold ira we know there's lots of ads out there touting these gold iras and and uh they are we've talked about it many many times uh, they are very, very the markup and on on those on the gold inside those gold iras is horrific uh, i've seen examples in excess of 40 percent uh, markup it is just a, a terrible way to invest in the metal. Uh, the other thing is, is that typically in our portfolios, we don't have any more than about a 5% maximum asset allocation uh, to any individual stock. And you know, in the case of gold, we've, I, I do not recall ever having an allocation of more than 5% uh, in, 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 the, in the GLD, exchange traded fund. If you want to invest in other uh, precious metal commodities. Silver has its own uh, exchange-traded traded fund. I think the uh, symbol SLV is in Victor is one of the more popular ones. I think there are others for various other types of commodities, oil. Uh, I think there's some, some grain exchange-traded funds. I think there's some, some of the other metals. There's also some exchange-traded funds for those. But gold, the GLD is the one that's most widely followed. Yes, Joe, yes. And, and I think that your, your point about there not being a markup if you have GLD or SLV because mm -hmm. you're buying it. If you buy it in most brokerage accounts, there's no commission. Yeah, there's no now, transaction. The last, the last time we held in a portfolio, probably four or five years ago, I, I can't remember, Schwab had a commission probably attached to it. So but it was very small. Now very it's small. now it's so down to zero. Not forty percent or thirty percent. No, no. The markups on on the the gold IRAs where you had to pay storage fees and 
and all these other fees, you know, owning the physical or owning the physical bullion outside of say an IRA, putting it in the safe or, you know, whatever you have, you pay a markup to buy it. You get marked down to sell it because you got You got to go to a dealer to, you know, to sell it or buy it. So there's a markup and a markdown. Well, that, that cuts into your potential profit. Then you got to store it. You know, if you're going to take it to the bank, you've got storage fees there. If you have a safe at home, that's fine. Uh, but there are the markup and markdown is 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 I think where most investors you know, forget that part. There are no markups marked down when you're if you're buying the GLD exchange traded fund. So that was number nine. Number eight, uh, I think they were just calling commodities. Commodities in general. Broad now bucket, I, I will say that we have in the past. We did own at one time a mutual fund that in that invested in a broad range of different commodities. Uh, we I don't believe we owned it for a very long period of time, and this was it's, this was probably post financial crash somewhere between 2009 and maybe 2016. I think we owned it. I don't recall making a lot of money in it uh, in that particular mutual fund. But if you want to own a managed basket of commodities, uh, doing it inside a mutual fund, I think there's probably some exchange traded funds. Well, out there in the article, it. it's in the article at Investopedia, it, it, mm -hmm. it's G S G S G, which is okay. an iShares. That's right. Which a lot of people refer to iShares. iShares has a commodity, uh, uh, a diversified exchange. commodity yeah. exchange traded fund. Okay. So that's number eight, just owning a diversified commodity exchange traded fund or mutual fund. Number seven, and this is really the way that we have constructed all of our portfolios. The Imagine vast majority, that. Imagine vast majority that. of our portfolios at Davidson Capital Management. Number seven is a 60-40 stock to bond portfolio, which is shocker basically a moderate asset allocation portfolio. Now, this century we have actually raised the maximum asset allocation in a moderate asset, in a moderate asset allocation portfolio to as much as 70%, which would be a 70-30 split. Uh, we have not had a maximum asset allocation to stocks since- First quarter last year? Since February of 2021 was the last time that we had a maximum asset allocation to stocks. Feb I'm sorry, February 2020, not 2021. I'm on my game today, Jeff. There you go. <laughs> You're on your game today. Number six, uh, real estate investment trusts, otherwise known as REITs, haven't really done a lot of investing in just owning, say, individual REITs. I know there's an exchange-traded fund to own it, that this particular art article mentioned one from Vanguard symbol VNQ, Victor, Nancy, Quick, uh, as a possible uh, investment vehicle. I will warn some, some of our listeners about a broker sold non REITs, non-publicly traded run, real estate investment. Run, you need to run as run. fast as you can. Uh, if anything like that is put in front of you, by by a broker to well unless you got like 10 years before you no, get no, no. money back. it's just a no it's just a no <laughs> and the reason is show is because remember the hierarchy of commissions yeah. you start at the top with equity indexed annuities really number two is private placement reits or private placement reit like investments that is that is the second from, that's that's right below uh, equity index annuities in terms of the commissions paid to the broker 
there, uh, most of them are in the 7% range that I have seen. Most equity indexed annuities exceed 10%. <clears throat> but yeah, you would definitely want to run from any of those broker sold uh, real estate investment trusts. Number five, which I think is very interesting. Uh, S&P, baby. S&P 500. Really just owning stocks in general. Owning stocks in general is a hedge against inflation. And why is that? Well, the reason is, is because stocks can raise the price of the particular service, the particular product that they produce. So if their inputs to produce the product or service, uh, those inputs are going up in price, well, they can raise the price for the finished goods to keep up with inflation. And therefore, their profits can keep up, you know, can, can continue to grow as they're adjusting uh, their, their pricing structure. So owning some stocks in your portfolio is a very good hedge against inflation. So that's, that's number five. Number four, real estate income. Okay, well, I don't personally own any rental property. Uh, I don't believe any of us at Davidson Capital Management own any rental property. Uh, I've talked at length with clients, you know, uh, privately about my feelings of owning uh, rental property. If you want to own it in your portfolio as in the, in the form of exchange traded fund, there are many out there uh, that invest in, in real estate income. The one thing that I would take note of when investing in any exchange traded fund, uh, try to find some that have long term performance histories. Uh, a lot, there's so many ETFs that get created every year. Uh, you really need to find exchange traded funds that have, a, a, you know, if a minimum, if possible, at least 10 years of history. That's our minimum requirement to own even a mutual fund is 10 years of performance history. Number three is uh, an aggregate bond index. Uh, I, you know, in this environment, in this environment, in what I believe is, we, I think we can all agree is a rising interest rate environment. I don't think owning an aggregate bond index that's going to have maturities across the entire spectrum is a good idea. I would rather own in this particular invest, uh, invest uh, interest rate environment a short maturity exchange traded fund in the portfolio. Number two was leveraged loans. No, I'm not a big fan of leveraged loans. They, those Leverage sounds risky to me. And we don't, we don't invest in things that are risky. Uh, we use our fixed income portfolio for safety and income only. If we want to take risk, we take risk in stock. So leverage loans is not something that I'd have in the portfolio. And last one, tips. Treasury inflation protected securities. <clears throat> Maybe. Don't currently own it in our portfolio. It might be something that we consider uh, in the future. But as of right now, we don't own, we've never owned any tips in our, in our particular portfolio. So we're coming up on the end of the segment. So I think you might want to say something about this article. We'll take, pick that up on the other side of the break. And you're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn about more about our firm and review the different investment management programs we offer, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from the MoneyWise guys, you can reach our offices in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. 
The number once again is 800-275-2162. If you have an investment-related question you'd like to hear us discuss during the show, you can send us an email at moneywise at davidsoncap.com. Now, in the previous segment, we were talking about this <clears throat> article, Nine Assets for Protection Against Inflation, and we had talked about the very last one on the list, which was Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Before we got to the break, Joe, we ran out of time, and I wanted you had a comment about that. I wanted to give you a chance to comment. Well, well sure. We were talking about tips and other things you can look at in your 401k plan. A lot of 401ks out there might have an inflation-adjusted bond fund. We've had some 401ks in the past that we've utilized that. That's another tool that's very similar to tips that is a vehicle that could actually give you a positive return during increased uh, during increased times of inflation. But t talking about the 401ks a little bit, and since it's my turn to eat, and I'm not going to talk about brisket this week, <laughs> I happened to overcook a couple that were slightly dry three weeks ago in the driving rain for the – local police and fire departments here. Uh, I'm going to skip the brisket analogy, but talking about 401ks and one of the things that I did a review just the other day and with a, a, a prospect and he has a target date fund in his 401k. I won't say what company is with. Um, I won't say what record keepers it's with, but I imagine to our listeners out there, a majority of listeners that are participating in a 401k, if they don't select an investment option, they don't go on their enrollment sheet and fill out, I want X percent here, X percent there, uh, and choose their own investments, they're going to be put into what they call a qualified default investment alternative. A majority of the time, if you are opting into, a, or if you're participating in a 401k, and you don't select your investment options, they're going to put you in a, in a QDIA, and most of the time it's a target date fund, which is an investment essentially that gets more conservative the closer you get to retirement. So you might have like a target date 2020 or 2035. I don't know, Jeff, did you want to chime in on that? So the, the, it gets more conservative as the, the actual calendar date gets closer to the date that the target date is on the fund. So like for a, for a, for a 2025 target date fund, it's going, and since this is 2021, it's four years from reaching its target date. It's going to have a lower asset allocation to stocks and a higher asset allocation to other asset classes than say a target date fund that's in 2030 or 2040 or 2050. Uh, it, it, the problem that we have, and I hope I'm not stealing into your thunder here, Joe, that the problem we've seen in a lot of these target date funds is what the uh, advisor over the, running the target date fund considers to be an appropriate mix between stocks and bonds as it's approaching that target date. And we were talking about different target dates. And for example, a 2030 target date fund and I'm just looking at a Fidelity or a BlackRock, usually their allocation is going to be about 60% stocks, 40% fixed income, and cash. Okay, so the article that I read... And that's and nine, years, nine years out. So that's, for, that's correct. For an investor that might, that's considering, say, retiring at 65, then, that, then you subtract nine out, well, you got 56 so that if, if you were 56 years old, that might be an appropriate target date fund for you uh, as you're approaching retirement at 65. And that, that's 
that's a very good that, that's exactly that's exactly right but this article that was in market watch that i pulled and i and is back on may 7th that i pulled the article out and we were going to talk about it in a previous show but if you're looking at your 401k a very popular thing to introduce to 401k plans are actually professionally managed portfolios which is what we do at david's and capital management and there's an individual um and he and he had a very very good point and the the author of the article said, look, the issue with target date funds is they don't always favor your individual risk tolerance or your tolerance for risk, your investment objectives, what other assets you have that come into play, mm -hmm. uh, including your spouse. And also, you know, essentially, do you need a Roth or a traditional, those kind of things. But the point that they make is professionally managed portfolios where you can pick conservative, moderate, aggressive or growth there's different areas that you can consider investing in are becoming more popular in the 401k space but if you do have that option or you're a participant they pay very close attention to the fees because the fees could be absorbent and we do this for certain plans and and it, luckily for us there aren't any additional fees for using our professionally managed models in the portfolios and one thing i wanted to point out is when we do this or when these advisors do this they are picking, and we always talk about this, best-in-breed investments. They can choose from the entire mutual fund pla uh, platform what's available, and they select their own allocations. They make sure that the best possible investments are mutual fund companies that are in there. And one thing that I do notice, they don't use proprietary funds. So if you're using a Fidelity or a BlackRock, they're going to use all of their own proprietary funds in that target date. A professional manager picks the best-in-breed, and they have them in different risk tolerance bands that you can actually utilize, Jeff. But it's it's having professional money managers involved in 401ks, that's very, very few and far between. So as a participant, the, the, the other thing you need to watch out for in, your, in these target date funds, especially in a rising interest rate environment, is what is their exposure in bonds in terms of the uh, maturities? If this if your target date fund has an ex, has a high exposure to long maturity bond investments, uh, that's that's going to have a detrimental effect on the value of the uh, of the target date fund in a rising interest rate environment. And other factors, and, and and I know we're running a little short on time. For instance, the average 2030 target date fund, its exposure to international stocks is 21 percent. Well, if anybody follows a show. We have only 5% in emerging markets, roughly, right. and a moderate asset allocation. Yeah, international oh, yeah. as an asset class over you know, the last few years has, has been out of favor. And I'm, that, that number, that 20 plus percent, I see that in a lot of portfolios I'm reviewing from uh, some of the big brokerage houses that have these managed asset accounts. They have pretty high asset allocations to to international exposure, and they always seem to have 20% invested in international for whatever reason. As some of our longtime listeners know, we've been at we had we had no international investments in our portfolios for a number of years until we added a small uh, amount of emerging markets here in the uh, in the last uh, six months. So I see we're coming up to the top of the hour, so we're going to have to. Uh, 
break here. And, and, and if you'd like to discuss your personal financial situation and receive a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach our office in Corpus Christi or San Antonio by calling 800-275-2162. For our listeners in San Antonio on 1200 WOAI, we'd like to thank you for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. If you'd like to hear the second hour of this weekend's program, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com or click on the radio show link. For our listeners in Corpus Christi on 1360 KKTX, please stay tuned for the second hour of Money Wise after the top of the hour break where we continue this weekend's program with some investor education. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff, and I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving in to the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com, or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So being in our second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, a lot of times we like to reserve the second hour for investor education. Um, And I found an interesting article that came from the Market Watch from the Wall Street Journal titled, Five Things... Every retirement portfolio should have, and for any longtime listener of the money, or for any longtime listeners in the Money Wise program, uh, you know that we definitely love our lists, our countdown lists here on the Money Wise program. And so I thought this would be a good article to go into because I I, I know looking through all five of these things that they're saying that what the the writer of this Market Watch Watch article is saying that every retirement portfolio should have, I know that we can definitely add our two cents and increase the level of investor education provided in this article. So looking at number one for the five things every retirement portfolio should have and number one being consistent income. And I know that we have talked for years now here on the Money Wise program, the lack of consistent income, or I should say decent income for retirees, particularly those that have higher levels of fixed income uh, inside their portfolio because of the historically low interest rate environment that we have. And what we have discussed on this program many times before is to not necessarily be completely focused on fixed income as providing that consistent income. And that there are a lot, there's a multitude of higher dividend paying stocks 
that can produce consistent annual income, but also give you the upside potential of price appreciation of the individual stock and kind of some of the go-tos in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And I know, Dad, you've talked many, many times on this program of the dogs of the Dow. And to explain to our listeners the dogs of the Dow again. Uh, the dogs of the Dow are the, uh, at the beginning of each year, they identify the five or ten highest dividend-paying stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and they become either the five dogs of the Dow or the ten dogs of the Dow. And the theory is you own those ten stocks for the year or five stocks if you're going with a small dog, and they will outperform the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and you'll receive consistent income. And then, and there again, if you also get price appreciation over the time that you own that stock, it's just extra icing on the cake. And again, when you look at the dogs of the Dow, when you see the 10-year Treasury yield where it is today, majority, if not all of the, the dogs of the Dow are having an annual div, a higher dividend yield than that of the 10-year Treasury in this current time. I know we haven't seen the list of the dogs of the Dow here recently, but the first stock that always pops up into my head is AT&T. Well, AT&T is still number one. And uh, and I just actually looked at it a couple days ago, and it's right around a 5.4% dividend well, yield. Well, you can say it's more than 5 I think it had a pretty good day on pretty good day the other day so yeah it is something over five percent but the one thing i would say about this kyle uh, you know the five things that we're looking for here in a retirement account a consistent income now in in days gone by obviously you would get your consistent income from the bond portfolio and that was true from the time uh in the late 70s all the way through the financial crisis back in in 08 but because, as you said, because of the policy that the Federal Reserve has been following, which is basically a zero interest rate policy, uh, this has brought all bond yields down, and therefore people who could have got consistent income from their bond portfolio, they can know, they can get consistent income. I was going to say. The problem yeah. is it's not a level at which they can be retired. <laughs> that, that they can survive on unless, and as we've talked on this program, if you're one of those lucky few that has a portfolio with asset sizes so large and your income needs so modest and you also don't care about that pesky little thing called monetary inflation taking away your purchasing power, then you know you could look at having a majority of fixed income in your portfolio and be okay in retirement, but there's just so few and far between people and investors that are in that position. So bonds will still, like you said, Dad, provide that consistent income. It's just most likely not going to be at the level that's going to sustain you in retirement. And so that's when you have to look at diversifying your portfolio. And the first place to look to create that income is higher dividend-paying blue-chip stocks like an AT&T. And the first, I would say, really one of the first best places to go would be to track down the dogs of the Dow well, I think for any given year. That's that's the easiest place easiest to begin. Place. And these are all household names. So I think a typical bond investor would feel more comfortable in some of these names than names that they're unfamiliar with. Okay. So, again, five things every portfolio retirement. I want to add a little yeah. bit of something to that okay. because here, especially since the financial crisis, we there, there have been a real focus among some investors on high income and focusing on stocks like master limited partnerships or illiquid, privately traded REITs or REITs in general. 
there's been a real focus of buying some of those types of securities and just for and just ignoring when they go down in value. Many of the the, the, the mesh limited partnerships, some of the REITs, had large declines in values and saw their yields go up. And for whatever reason, the the, the investor that held those those securities was just focusing solely on the income and not really concentrating on what's happening to the value of the security. And having a 12 or 15% yield is all fine and good, but there's a reason why they're yielding 12 or 15%. Maybe you bought it when it was yielding 8 and now it's gone down 20% or 30% in value. And so, uh, yeah, it's all fine and good that now it's yielding 15%, but if you've lost 30% in principal value, what have you really made? You've made nothing. You've actually lost money. That's not as common as we're seeing now when, we, when we're reviewing client portfolios, but we know that was an issue very much in the past, and we pointed that out to a lot of investors, and a lot of investors lost sight of the fact that you can actually have declines in values in some of these higher-yielding names. And one one more thing before we go to break is that dividends on stocks in the current tax environment are tr- can be treated more uh, – uh, there's a better treatment of, of, of taxation – uh, on on those dividend paying stocks, and you might otherwise get in uh, in uh, interest on bonds. Okay, well, let's take a commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're continuing this hour on the five things every retirement portfolio should have. Number one was consistent income. And, Jeff, I'm glad you brought up, right before we went to commercial break, the REITs or Real Estate Investment Trusts and these Master Limited Partnerships and some of the portfolios we've reviewed where the prospective client has been glowing about such a high yield and high return that they've been getting in income but not paying attention to the value of the actual original investment and the principal devaluation that they've had and I've said I've actually seen this when I've talked to somebody that said oh Kyle look at the great 10 15 12 percent dividend yield I'm getting and I'm saying and I said to them but you've lost 50 percent or 75 percent of the value of your original investment and then I see the look come over their face saying oh my gosh I just realized that I was like you said earlier focused on yield and not looking at the total overall picture so for any listener that's in these types of investments, you know, pay attention to the underlying value of your original investment because it's not it, it's not worth getting a 10% dividend yield if you've lost 50 or 60% of your original investment. Um, and then also for the real estate investment trust, the illiquidity issues that we have been running into right. during portfolio reviews that we've done here at Davidson Capital Management, you have to read the fine print in every perspective, as we've, as we've always said, if it takes 100 or 150 pages to explain the investment vehicle you're getting ready to buy, you should not only get up, but you should get up and run. So, number two. Number two. Five things that every retirement portfolio should have. The number two item is preservation of capital. Now, there has been 
really, especially here since 2013 and the big gains that we had in 2013, there's been this obsession in the media with trying to call the top and that, oh, you know, it, it's it, that's all it. these all this these. Yeah, this is it. It can't go any higher. We'll go. We'll data mine all these statistics to find statistics that fit our argument that says that you should be getting out of stocks now because they've had this tremendous run since uh, March of 2009 when the financial crisis basically ended and this bull market run began. And there's just been this obsession with 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 folks needing to, in essence, board up their portfolios, get ready for that coming storm, get ready for that hurricane that's coming. And, you know, preservation of capital is certainly something that every investor should be concerned about. But it doesn't mean that you should go out and you should completely liquidate your portfolio every time or within a month or so of every time the Dow or the S&P or the NASDAQ reaches an all-time high, because that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the all-time high for the portfolio. The way that you preserve capital to us is you have a balanced portfolio. You have a portfolio of stocks. You have a portfolio, and in that same portfolio, you have some bonds and you have some cash. So if one asset class, say stocks, is not having a particularly good day, usually that means that bonds are having a particularly good day. Or if stocks don't have a particularly good quarter, usually that means that bonds are having a, a, a good quarter. So one will offset the other in, in some respect, not dollar for dollar. But most folks that had big losses and that suffer big losses in market downturns don't have port, have portfolios that are too highly allocated to one asset class, whether it be stocks and what's getting ready to happen and what's what really started in 2013 for those investors that had high allocations to bonds, they thought that being an invested in bonds, if they got out, say, in the in the, uh, the the heights of the financial crisis in 08 and 09, and they went to their financial professional and said, I want out. I don't care what it, what it, where things are valued at, I don't care where the markets are, I don't care what the news is, I don't care what the Fed's doing, I just want out, and I want out now, and I want all my money in bonds. And they were, and they've probably felt fairly good through 2009 and 10 and 11 and 12 because interest rates were falling, and so they were seeing the value of their portfolio go up. Now stocks went up a lot more than bonds, but then you get in 2013. And, you know, and and suddenly this preservation of capital goal of owning fixed income because that's what that's how I'm going to preserve my portfolio. I'm never going to have to worry about this again because my financial professional told me that if I own bonds that I I wasn't going to lose any value in my portfolio. Wrong. 2013 comes along, and these investors that had high allocations to to fixed income found out that yes. You can lose money in bonds. And, and one other thing I wanted to add to that, Jeff, you know, again, talking about a balanced account. I mean, David's, you know, we're in our 25th year of business, and our philosophy from day one and will continue to be the philosophy for 25-plus years to come is that of being a balanced manager. And when we talk about being a balanced manager, we're not talking about going to a portfolio and saying, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Client, 60% of your money is in stocks, 40% of your money is in fixed income and cash, and we're going to set it and forget it. That is not what we're 
talking about, and we do not advocate that in any way, shape, or form, even for our listeners that are potentially managing their money on their own. When we talk about a balanced account, it's an actively managed balanced account to be able to make adjustments when adjustments need to be made, just like we do as professional money managers for our clients here at Davidson Capital Management. You know, there are certain market conditions where we want to be a little more overweighted in stocks than we are in fixed income, like we're like our current conditions right now in the interest rate environment where we have some of our highest allocations to stocks and our minimum allocations to bonds in the history of our firm right now. But then also when the winds and the tide shift and it's time to have more fixed income exposure because we're in a more normalized interest rate environment, then that's when you need to make your adjustments. It's not just about setting it and forgetting it in a balanced portfolio. You have to be actively managed in order to be successful over the long term. And if there's any, if there's one kind of statement that I use with prospective clients and our clients here at Davidson Capital Management that I'd like to convey to all of our listeners is that the way to build long-term wealth in a portfolio, it's not how well your portfolio does in up years, it's how shallow you can keep your hole in down years. And here's just a quick mathematical example. If you lose 50% of the value of your account, and I know we've run across some folks here at, that have come in through our front door that have been in that situation. If you lose 50% of the value of your account, you have to make a 100% return just to get back to where you started. That's why keeping your hole shallow, being in an actively managed, balanced portfolio is what's going to help build long-term wealth in your account. And if you don't feel that you have the competency to do that, then you need to go out and search for a competent, registered investment advisor, someone that has discretionary control that can actively manage those assets for you to help protect your portfolio over the long term. So number two was preservation of capital. Uh, number three of the five things every retirement portfolio should have is liquidity. And boy, I don't know how many times we have had this conversation with prospective clients uh, over the years here at our firm. And liquidity is something that I want each and every one of our listeners to think about, particularly those listeners that have traditional pension plans, and for listeners that are thinking about retiring in the short term, in the near term, and have been out doing their research of what financial professionals they possibly would want to be working with as they transition into retirement, who are shoving down your throats annuities. And any longtime listener of the Money Wise program knows our absolute disdain for annuities of any way, shape, or form. And also, in essence, when pension recipients decide, you know what, I want to start receiving those monthly payments from my pension, you have now turned those assets that you've worked your entire career to build in that pension into an annuity. But guess what these two, these two things don't give you? They don't give you liquidity. And the, the pension topic is a topic I've wanted to have here on the Money Wise program for quite some time now. We always seem to be running out of time, and I know we're coming up to the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to say as much as I can before we go to the bottom of the hour break and come back. I'll continue my thought. But any listener of our program that that is lucky enough to have a traditional pension where it's growing and building value and it's going to be there when it comes time for you to retire – the one piece of advice that we have given our prospective clients through the years of service that we've provided is it's always the best idea to gain control of your assets at retirement, meaning not taking 
the annuity payments from a traditional pension. Because once you elect to take those pension payments, and let's just say in this example, you decide I'm going to be receiving $1,500 a month, that is what you're going to receive for the life of that payment schedule. Now, if you decide that you want to receive your pension in a single life payment, that's going to give you the biggest monthly payment. But guess what happens if you pass away the next year or six months after you make that decision? If you're married, your spouse receives nothing. And if you have children, your children receive nothing. And those assets that you worked your entire career to build goes right back into the pension is redistributed to other employees in the future. Um, that's if you choose the single life payout. Now, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break, so when we come back from the break, I want to go into the other payout options that retirees have in pensions and why you should be, if you have the ability to take a lump sum distribution from your pension, you need to be doing that in order to keep your liquidity. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing the five things that every retirement portfolio should have, number one was consistent income, number two was preservation of capital, and before we went to the bottom of the hour break, we were talking about liquidity, and I was taking a little sidebar discussing pensions, uh, traditional defined benefit plans that still quite a few listeners of the Money Wise program are lucky enough to receive or have the ability to receive pensions. Um, this really, this this whole discussion is really going out to you. And, and the the piece of advice that we give uh, prospective clients that come through our door is that if your pension allows you the ability to take a lump sum distribution from that pension, to take it because that then gives you the liquidity, but it also gives you full control of those assets that you possibly spent 25 to 40 plus years building and earning over your career. And so before we went to break, I was talking about the different pension payouts and some of the drawbacks of them. So we talked about the single life payout. You start receiving that payout, something happens to you, God forbid, six months later you pass away, nothing goes to your heirs or if you're married to your spouse. So that's not a very good benefit, but it gives you the highest monthly payout. Option number two is a survivorship benefit. So again, the payout's going to be less than option number one. And so if something were to happen to you, then it would go to your spouse. But here's something you need to think about under that option. God forbid something happened to both you and your spouse in a common incident, then guess what? Nothing goes to your heirs, and those monies are then redistributed to other employees that are part of that pension. Then a lot of times you have a third option. And there's multiple options, but I'm going to touch on the top three. Then option number three is you have a survivorship benefit, and then past that you have a beneficiary benefit. So if something were to happen to you and your spouse in a common accident or incident, then your beneficiaries would receive the remaining balance of your pension. But again, your monthly payout would be less. And you might be thinking, well, Kyle, those are three pretty good three options, three, three pretty good options. Why wouldn't I go that direction? Well, here's something you also need to keep in mind with all three of these options. 
Once you elect to receive that pension, in this example, let's say it's $1,500, that is what you're going to be receiving for the rest of your life or for the rest of these payout elections that you've made. Well, there's something out there called monetary inflation that a lot of folks that feel this high level of comfort and security with receiving this monthly benefit check from their pension don't realize is that that $1,500 you're receiving a month, every month that goes by, that $1,500 buys a little bit less. Now imagine receiving that payment for 20, 25, 30 years. I can assure you 30 years from now, $1,500 is going to be buying a heck of a lot less than it can today. And so someone who's a pension recipient who's thinking about annuitizing and taking that monthly payment needs to think about what we just discussed, but also monetary inflation eroding the purchasing power of that check because they're not adjusted for inflation. And you have to keep that in the forefront of your mind. That's why we always recommend to take the lump sum distribution, the cash option distribution, and put that money to work for you because it gives you the liquidity, it gives you the access, and it gives you the ability to pass those assets down to heirs. And what if you, let's say you take the election and you're 62 years old, 63 years old, and a couple of years you're getting the $1,500 a month, but something happens when you turn 65 and you need more than $1,500 a month. Yeah. Can't do anything. Can't do anything. Or how about this? How about the total opposite? How about if you have, usually when you re, when you retire from an organization, you might have a traditional 401k and a pension. A lot of the refineries here in Corpus Christi have two parts to their retirement. Well, let's just say you have enough in your 401k to live off of in retirement. And you don't really need to touch the pension. Well, if you let's say you just let that pension money accumulate. And you didn't make, and you elected to just have it all rolled into one account. You you uh, put it to work. You for put it. you put it to work. You don't have to start taking distributions from even your four hundred one k or your pension retirement until you reach the age of seventy and a half under current law. So flexibility, and 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 that's not one of these one of the. Uh, it should be five, a slash. It should it be should, liquid, it should be liquidity, liquidity slash flexibility. That's right. And by committing yourself to a stream of payments, no one knows what's going to happen in their life 10 years from now, 20 years from now. A year from now. A year from now. I mean, six months from now. Life can change in the blink of an eye. So why tie your hands into something? Why, why, Why make a decision right now that could affect you a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road? You're just reducing your flexibility by committing yourself to to a taking a pension uh, payout in in the form of, of payments which is in essence an annuity they don't ever call it that I know. which is very interesting it's not it, when you when we see the paperwork and we advise clients that come to our office it never says annuity it's just this is going to be your payment for your life, your life for your heir's life for your spouse's life it doesn't say that this is an essence of annuity, but that's exactly what it is. Well, and, and again, the technical definition of annuity is a steady stream of periodic payments. Well, guess what? We have clients at Davidson Capital Management that are taking monthly distributions from the assets we manage and, in essence, have created a quote-unquote annuity for themselves, by, but, but doing it by not owning an annuity. 
and having full access to their money in case complete liquidity, complete, complete flexibility, flexibility, and complete access at all times. And the longest our clients would go without getting their hands on their assets in case, God forbid, an emergency is three business days. That's it. And so this pension conversation, again, goes right in line with annuities, and it really, again, adds to our disdain to annuities. And as Jeff said, you know, taking those, those monthly payments, you're handcuffing yourself. You're handcuffing yourself, and you're not giving yourself an out. And so we highly recommend before any decisions like this are made to pick up the phone and call us to at least receive an education on what your options are because I can tell you this and I've run into this with a couple of our clients Jeff some companies that provide pension benefits do not advertise that there is a lump sum distribution option at all they do not discuss it I know one of our clients in right. Houston what we actually he our client had to make a phone call and put the hot coals to somebody on the other end of the phone before they finally admitted, yes, sir, you're correct, we do have a lump sum distribution option. But on all the paperwork that I assisted our client in filling out prior to his retirement, didn't say it anywhere. And it ought to be against the law for employers to, 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 to mislead Absolutely. their retirees that, that that option's not available to them. And the reason that they do it is they want to keep as much money in their pension plans as they can so that the 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 corporations that make co- corporate contributions into the into the employees' pension plans by keeping more money in it, they don't have to contribute as much as, right. as a corporation, which improves their profitability. That's right. And so there's a incentive for less than full disclosure to occur when it comes time to retire. That's right. It's not very common, but it does happen. It does happen. So. Again, five things every portfolio retirement should have. Number one, consistent income. Number two, preservation of capital. Number three, liquidity and you know, for we, Jeff we, slash flexibility. Yeah, flexibility and, and kind of maybe reiterating what we had said in some of the in some of the previous uh, uh, number one and number two about liquidity and and the the private place private placements are the are one of the biggest violators of. Of liquidity. Of liquidity. Yeah. Uh, we've s- especially private placements sold REITs. We've seen a lot of them sold in the financial since the financial crisis. And the rules have actually changed since we really started talking a lot about them. Uh, the, they're required to report you know, the, the change in value of those private placement REITs, where in the past that they weren't really supposed to. If you have, if you're signing up for an investment, and it has a 200-page prospectus. You need to start asking some hard questions to the person on the other side of the table about how liquid this investment is. And if you can't get your money out of it in three business days or less, then you have to really question whether this is an investment that you should be in. A lot of these private placements and a lot of these private placement REITs especially you can't get out of them for up to three to six months after you put in a request. And actually, I've read on the front page of prospectuses for these private placement real estate investment trusts, or REITs, in bold letters. Now, granted, the the print is about an eight point, so it's almost microscopic, but it's in bold. And it says that this is not an actively traded security, does not have an active open market for liquidity, and liquidity can be significantly and is significantly reduced. 
produced. And Jeff, I know you have personal experience with clients here at Davidson Capital Management where it took our client almost six months to receive benefits back from a private placement real estate investment trust that was purchased. So you, you've been around the block a few times with these. In the 25 years we've managed money, we, have n- we only invest in securities that are publicly traded that that have that you can look up online that have a symbol you can whether it's a mutual fund whether it's a stock whether it's an exchange traded fund whether it's a bond they're all publicly traded they're all highly liquid investments and w- we would not recommend to most investors unless you're very sophisticated and you have a, a portion of your portfolio that we would call your quote unquote play or Vegas money that you avoid investments that are not publicly traded okay so again when we're, we're getting ready to take our last commercial break for this weekend's money wise program when we come back we'll be wrapping up five things every retirement portfolio should have we've done consistent income preservation of capital capital liquidity slash flexibility and we've got number four and five coming up after this you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management we'll be back after the break Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So in the last segment of this weekend's Money Wise program, I want to wrap up five things every retirement portfolio should have. So far, we've covered consistent income, number two, preservation of capital, number three, liquidity, and then Jeff has added slash flexibility. Number four is competitive costs. Now, we have talked, oh my gosh, how many, I mean, we've, we're now in our ninth year of doing the Money Wise program here on 1360 KKTX, and we have talked about all the different ways people in the financial service industry are paid, from commissions to commissions paid on products that are sold. And at Davidson Capital Management, as a registered investment advisor, we are completely fee-based. And our max fee being 1% of total assets per year as far as our management fee is concerned, and our fee goes down from there based on assets under management. Um, And the one thing that we always recommend to anyone looking to hire an investment professional is to search out the registered investment advisor that is on a fee-based schedule, not a commission-based schedule, Um, and really pay attention. I know from just looking at our competitors in the marketplace here in South Texas that at Davidson Capital Management, we're anywhere from 25 to 50% less expensive per year when it comes to our management expense. And so that's something that you'd always pay attention to and understand that when you're working with someone that is in a fee-based structure, a fee-based arrangement, that really puts them in the same side of the table or in the same boat as you because it gives them the the incentive. The more money they make for you, the more money they make for themselves, and then if the value of the portfolio goes down, so does their management fee. So pay attention to competitive costs. Ask the questions. And and just really read the fine print. Don't be afraid to ask whatever whoever the financial professional is you you may be working with how much they're going to make for managing your money or selling you a particular product. 
there's that that's that shouldn't be a question that you should be afraid to ask. And and, and the person on the other side of the table should not him haul around or should not try to deflect the question away because cost and what you're paying in the portfolio in terms of management fees and expenses and there's lots of other ways that fees get collected from investors that we didn't even go we don't really have enough time to go through in this last segment of the show they can add up and they're not always obvious and you have to as Kyle says dig deeper to figure it out uh, for folks that are involved with wrap accounts at the major brokerage houses and they go by different names depending on what brokerage house you're in many of those wrap accounts start off at two two and a half percent per year and go up from there That's right. uh, we've seen many wrap accounts that exceeded three percent of assets under management and don't even get a startus started about annuities well I, I, and I'll, I'll kind of leave this okay. number four segment with this if anyone that you're working with is paid through commissions and you ask them how much commissions they're going to make and their answer is nothing that's a flat out lie that is a flat out lie they're not people doing it work. out of the goodness of yeah, their people heart People don't work for nothing they don't work for nothing so keep that in the back of your mind so the fifth and final thing that every retirement portfolio should have and again see this and talk about this time and time again is long-term growth the bottom line is is as you get closer to retirement and as Jeff said at the the beginning of this second hour you can't just board up your portfolio you cannot say well I'm two or three years away from retiring so now I'm just gonna move everything 100 percent into fixed income now I'm safe yeah preservation of capital should not overshadow long-term growth you always need growth. Whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, you need some form of investment growth in your portfolio because that investment growth is what's going to help offset monetary inflation over the long term. That's why growth is so necessary and is a requirement for any successful portfolio. And I will say this. The last few 401ks that I've reviewed for prospective clients, I've been noticing just here recently a trend, especially with how well the markets did in 2013, where I've seen folks that are you know, in their mid to late 50s that are sitting 70, 80, 100% of their 401k in either cash, fixed income, or the stable value fund because they feel that, you know what, I've grown my 401k to four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars and I'm not willing to take any more risk, so I'm just gonna put it all in the stable value fund yeah. and ride off into the sunset and that is the worst thing you could do. They're allowing preservation of capital to overshadow long term growth. And and we've always said don't be confused with pre preservation of capital with return of purchasing power. The the lack of thought towards monetary inflation is is a bad thing that you that you could do for your portfolio not paying attention to that not realizing that loss of purchasing power is a loss well it's not going to show it on your statement but it is a loss one thing that that i think we could safely say as financial advisors is that these days of the cpi running around two percent are just about over yeah. and we have no way of knowing how high inflation is going to be in the future, but it's definitely not going to be at this level. Another reason to not say, oh, $700,000 is enough, and I'm just going to, as you say, ride into the sun. I mean, 
that the funny thing is you think you're playing it safe you are actually taking a big risk you think you're being safe when you're doing this you are not and you could be doing long-term irreparable damage to your retirement portfolio and so if you find yourself in that position and you might be past the age of 59 and a half. One thing I just kind of quick sidebar to throw into this, if you're participating in a 401k and you're past the age of 59 and a half, most standard prototype 401k plans allow you to take what's called an in-service distribution. And that allows you to roll out the balance of your 401k, hire a professional money manager like a Davidson Capital Management to manage those assets for you while you are still working for your current employer and also allowing you to continue to participate in the 401k to receive any of the matching or profit sharing dollars that your employer is providing. And we have done this, we have done this with a multitude of clients over the years, but again, it is something that is not advertised by the 401k provider that you have the ability to do this. So if you're in this past 59 and a half years old, you're not planning on retiring anytime soon, you know, it never hurts to pick up the phone and make a call and to learn about what your options are with your 401k because if you've amassed four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars or more in your 401k and you're nervous about the future and you don't have the wherewithal to manage it yourself, there could be some options out there for you to hire a professional manager to oversee those assets. So long-term growth is an absolute key. Do not board up your portfolio. You'll need growth in that portfolio for the rest of your life. So with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two for my father john and my brother jeff this is kyle davidson saying have a fantastic weekend and to your financial health we will talk to you next week